Hey, it's Jessica Marshall. We are back with another episode of The Eagle, a Times Union podcast. Well, we survived another election day here in the newsroom. There were some surprises and some firsts in key local races that were called this week in the Capital Region and the Hudson Valley. We will go over all of that later in this episode. But first, let's have some music. Electric violinist Mia Asano and bagpiper Ali Duncan are both viral TikTokers with almost 2 million followers each. Together, they are the viral sensation Mia X Ali. They play everything from covers of popular music to movie and video game themes, as well as their own original music that blends the electric violin and bagpipes. Georgia. She was looking for a soul to steal. She was in a bind because she was way behind and she was willing to make a deal. When she came across this young gal song on a fiddle and playing it hot, the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, girl, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. They released an album together this October, and they're now on tour around the United States, playing those covers and original music that launched them to social media stardom. Their very first show was at The Egg in Albany last month, and that was on Duncan's home turf. Asano and Duncan are here with me now on the Eagle podcast. Guys, welcome. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us. You guys already started your tour, right? Oh my, oh my gosh. So how's it going? Tell me all about it. It is going very, very well. Every show has felt so different. The energy is just like vast and fantastic. Yeah. It's really nice for it to just finally be happening. Yeah. It's been months and months of planning. Tell me about the show then. Like, what can you tell us that, you know, without spoiling it, obviously, like, what can you tell us about what audiences can expect when they go to see you? Yeah, so okay, our band Mia X Ali um consists of myself on electric violin and Ali on bagpipes. So already electric violin and bagpipes is a very unique combo. Um we are social media um musicians, so we kind of got our start. Um we've been gigging and doing the musician thing long before the pandemic, but you know, out of kind of necessity, we started posting videos on the internet. Um so we have a lot of virality. So we also which means we have um, um, a lot of knowledge of what our fans want to hear from us in terms of covers. Um, so we're playing not only electric violin and bagpipes, but, but we're playing a lot of people's favorite music, um, classic rock covers, metal, um, some electronic stuff. Like it's a huge variety. And then like a lot of Celtic rock, but like putting our own spin on it. Um, Cause bagpipes and violins show up in like a ton of Celtic music, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's what it is. And it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. Somehow we go from movie music to video games to like contemporary rock to progressive metal and like it still feels unified that's really exciting i want to go back a little bit and talk about how you guys like first got together i mean i know social media tiktok and all of that is involved but like maybe like each one of you just kind of start uh, talk about like how you got your start in music and you know playing the instruments that you play and then kind of go into how you guys got together 
Totally. Um, I was, so hi, I'm Mia. Uh, and I started playing violin when I was five uh, and I was classically trained um, for like 16 years. Uh, I was in like orchestras. I went to an arts high school, um, did the whole, the whole classical thing. And I pretty quickly realized that I didn't want to pursue that as a career um, for various reasons. Just the classical scene, I have a lot of respect for it, but it's not for me. Um, and what I do love is alternative um, and contemporary styles of string playing, because violin is not just a classical European instrument. You know, it shows up in many different cultures um, and many different styles of music. So I got really into um, like fiddling, um, both Americana styles and also Celtic music. I got really into like I was studying jazz, um, like just all these different things. And then I joined a Viking rock band and I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is what I love. So then I discovered electric violins exist when I was 13 and I was like, like, okay, done. Like, this is my career for the rest of my life. And I've pursued it with everything that I have ever since. So um, and then I went to college and was still pursuing like jazz and classical music. And I was really struggling having a lot of imposter syndrome because I was trying to impress other musicians rather than playing music that I loved. Um, so you know, I really decided to come back to myself um, and I started posting videos of myself playing like um, pop, rock and Celtic music on the Internet. Um, and within like three days, one of them went viral. Um, to this day, it's one of my most viewed videos and woke up the next morning with 100,000 followers and the rest is history. That's my story. Wow. What was it that you played that that got you all the followers? What was the. So I got this idea because I was I had just gotten TikTok. And I was like, oh, my God, there's all these TikTok trends. Like, what if I do that on the electric violin? So I there was this trend going around that was like, stand here and do nothing and play the song Roses by um, St. John, like on your video. And it'll like make your video blow up. And so I posted a cover of that song. And I was like, they said to stand here and do nothing, but I'm going to cover it. And, you know, I, I did my thing. I was myself. I smiled. I um, danced a little, um, which was totally authentic. I filmed it in like 20 minutes and just like threw it up on the Internet, went to TJ Maxx. Like, and by the time I left the store, it was at like, you know, 100,000 views. And by the end of the night, it was at 2 million views. And now it's at 10 million views. And um, that's that's what it was. So it was a TikTok trend. And so I started out just doing trends. And then later on, I, I transitioned over to doing um, covers. Cool. And Ali, I know you're from the Capital Region or you have ties to the Capital Region. Tell me about your start in music. So I also started music when I was really young. Um, my mother tells the story that I was singing before I could talk and Mia can vouch for it. She sings um, in her sleep. I sing in my sleep. It's so cute. I don't talk in my sleep. I sing in my sleep. Um, Fantastic. So I always tell people that music is my first language and it's my language of choice. Um, I kind of forced my way into piano lessons because I started teaching myself how to play songs by ear on the keyboard when I was like five or six. And so my mom got me into lessons when I was seven and piano was my first instrument. And I took that all the way through college as well. Um, I play a lot of instruments because it took me a while to find mine or for mine to find me. I would be in band and then they would need somebody for jazz. So I learned saxophone over the summer so I could be in jazz. Um, and then I played flute clarinet and saxophone in jazz. And I, I loved it. I loved having like this wide variety that I could do. And then my stepdad actually legally adopted me when I was 12. And his family is Scottish American. I grew up listening to Celtic music, but Scottish culture was a little bit lost on me. And having just been adopted in, I got a new last name, Duncan, and I wanted to learn more about my heritage. So I started doing my thing that I did, which was hyper fixate on um, something and Google it incessantly. And so I was watching all these YouTube videos about the Duncan family and the history and the heritage. And there was bagpipes in every video because it's Scotland. And that was my first time seeing 
seeing the bagpipes and hearing them. And I could not figure out how they worked just by looking at them. And so I really needed to just know more. So we went to a parade and a bagpipe band went by and I was just like, that's it. Like I need it. So I begged for lessons. And a couple of years later, when I was 14, uh, I started taking bagpipe lessons and I started with a, a youth band up in kind of Albany, New York area. Um, at the time, it was called the Scotia Glenville Pipe Band, and it was a youth bagpipe band. So we were all under the age of 18. And so that became my social life. Um, and I got really, really invested in competition. So there's like this whole secret world in bagpiping where you can go all over the globe and compete very heavily. And wow. I, I took to that hard. I competed full time. So uh, there were days where I'd leave school to go travel um, so I could get to a competition. I was invited to some really, really, really prestigious competitions. And uh, two years after I started, I actually won my first world championship. And I did that with the youth band. I knew. I knew from that point forward I was going to do this forever. Um, and then when I got to college, um, I kind of went back into competitive mode and tried to figure out how I was going to make music a career. Um, and that's kind of where... I got really discouraged. You're kind of told as a musician that you have certain options. And when you're a niche instrumentalist, like a bagpiper, being a rock star is not one of them. So I decided to focus in on music theory and I was going to go to Boston University for my master's and uh, really kind of go the, the teaching path. Um, and then the pandemic happened. So I started posting on social media as a passion project and, and just kind of like really craving um, musical connection. And I mean, I guess the story kind of tells itself from there. I just want to say like you got you both, you know, your stories, the way they've kind of gone par in parallel and they've aligned like you really kind of like in a way revolutionized both of the genres that you guys were in. Right. With the instruments, you kind of showed this musical world that it's not just all one way. It's not just all traditional, you know, Scottish or traditional classical, like you really kind of blew the lid off of it, which is really, really cool to me. Um, so how did you guys come together then? Tell me that story. So, okay. We love telling this story. Uh, we just, we were fans of each other. Like we genuinely um, really enjoyed each other's content. We met through TikTok. Um, the Wellerman Sea Shanty craze was happening. Uh, I remember and, that one. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that was uh, for me personally was because I, I loved Celtic music secretly and I was never going to share that. Um, it was just like a secret passion of mine. And so that was the first time I've ever, I'd ever like publicly covered a Celtic tune and so that's what like threw me into the world of celtic tiktok and so that's how i became aware of ali um and because both of us were like duetting um this one video in particular and uh it opened me up to realizing that i'm, I'm allowed to play music that i love and that there's other musicians that are doing that kind of thing as well so we just were fans of each other and then ali had a gig um in boston for uh wwe um which was so cool and so she was like hey like i know you're boston based like what if we met up um so she came through and we filmed like six videos together in like an hour and a lot of those videos went viral and we're playing all those songs um in our show wow it's on a crazy like we're like musical soulmates like that's yeah. what we've said like and it's not just in music like we will say the same thing at the same time we will like have the same thoughts at the same time like it's really weird but we have such a crazy connection and um you know and the audience picked up on that as well so we knew that we had to had to do something with this because like I've never experienced this with yeah. another human before same 
That's magical. I love that. That is such a great story. Oh, what do you guys like you're on tour, right? So you have shows, you know, essentially every day or, you know, whatever the intervals are. But like, are you also actively still making videos to post on social? Like, are you kind of how is that? How are you balancing that? Uh, balance is a good word. That We're working we on do. balance. <laughs> it's really hard having a full-time uh, music career and then also doing a full-time social media career, doing our own solo careers, as well as the duo stuff. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's like three jobs all in one. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of that, we're like, you know, how we have this really ridiculous schedule right now being on the road. Like, you know, we're waking up early to do interviews where, and then we go drive seven hours and then we do the show and then rinse and repeat, you know? It's a hard balance. We're trying to be as efficient as possible and really take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we're making content of the shows. Mm -hmm. um, And that has been nice as well. And both of us have really seen a lot of positive feedback on that from the internet. We've recently just had a lot of our live show videos go mega viral, Mm -hmm. um, which is a really great feeling as somebody who played in their room for a long time and is now getting out. It's like, okay, so you do want this. Good. So we're posting a lot of live show clips and we're gathering those. We love it when people send them to us, by the way, (laughs) for people who come to those shows. What else do you guys do outside of music? Like, what do you do for fun when you're not playing um, or creating music? Um, I'm notoriously bad at answering this question because I'm like, (laughs) oh, well, when I'm not doing the band, I'm making my own stuff. But I love I I have two dogs, two cats and a chameleon. And like a hundred houseplants. And so when I'm home, I am spending as much time with them as possible. I really love learning care needs for my pets. Um, And I just love like spoiling these little creatures. And I love them so much. I have a chameleon sticker that I brought on tour. And then I have my bag pupper sticker too, because I wrote tunes for my dogs. Um, Their names are Cass and Faye. And I just, I really am obsessed with like all my little people. And I love (laughs) them so much. Fantastic. What about you, Mia? Um, I recently relocated to New Jersey temporarily. Um, I'm planning a big move to LA um, in January. So I've just been loving like, and it's, I'm I'm in like a nature, a beautiful nature part of New Jersey. So like just going outside, cause you know, I was living in the city in Boston for so long. So I spent a lot of time just going on walks and like exploring the woods and there's like deer and like all these beautiful things. And that's been like really, really healing for me. So that's kind of whenever I'm not doing music, like I always kind of force myself to stop and just like go outside. Um, Allie and I also have been collecting uh, Squishmallows. And like on our last tour, we collected, we accidentally ended up with 23 in the van. We started with two. And just for those who don't know what we're talking about, Squishmallows are these adorable little plush pillow creatures that come in many different sizes and shapes and species of animal and food. They are super popular and they're very, very cute. It's great because the van is really uncomfortable. And so we're basically surrounded by pillows constantly. That's been our hobby. It's getting us through the tour and we love it. Highly recommend. (laughs) I love that. Thank you guys for sharing that with me. That's so special. (laughs) Thank you for for understanding you're like (laughs) no one's given us a chance to talk about this yet we could do a whole podcast on squishmallows if you guys want that's like totally i'm game for that you guys i know you're so busy thank you so much for taking the time i really appreciate it thank you
You can see Mia X Alley's videos on all of their social media channels. That includes TikTok and YouTube. You can learn more about their backgrounds and tour dates at MiaXAlley.com. That's MiaXAlley.com. We are going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we will go over the election results in key capital region and Hudson Valley races with Times Union Editor-in-Chief Casey Seiler. Stay tuned. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union subscriber today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. You're listening to The Eagle, a Times Union podcast. I am your host, Jessica Marshall. All right, let's go over what happened on Election Day this week. We're joined now by Times Union Editor-in-Chief Casey Seiler. Casey, let's start out with some of the most notable results from this week. We're going to start in Troy, and that is where uh, the mayoral race, we are keeping a really close eye on that, and Carmela Mantello has become the first woman ever elected mayor there. Tell us more about that race. Yeah, and that was going to happen regardless of which of the two major party candidates won. Mantello, who is the president of the city council, won by uh, just about 9%, which is is notable because she is a Republican in a city where uh, Democrats definitely have the registration edge. I would say that this was a fairly muted race in a lot of ways. Nina Nichols did not do that much. Um, who uh, Nina Nichols ran on the Democratic and Working Families line, did not do that much to differentiate herself from Patrick Madden, the current mayor who is heading out of office. And, uh, you know, just wasn't exceedingly forceful in kind of making a, a strong argument for why she would be a different kind of mayor. And I think that Carmela Mantello, because she has had experience in leading in a bipartisan way as a Republican in a, in a city dominated by by Democrats, including on the city council, was able to make the kind of a, a better I'm the name you know argument, which is not to say that Nichols was unknown. She's a county legislator, but apparently that that carried the day. I will say the Times Union's editorial board endorsed Mantello in sort of a, a, a marginal endorsement, I think you would probably say. In other words, not pounding the table, as it were. But there you go. Now, this wasn't Carmela Mantello's first time running for mayor of Troy either, right? Correct. Yeah, she um, she did the same. I believe it was when Patrick Madden uh, was first elected. So this is uh, this is happy vindication for her. Certainly, certainly. All right, let's head up now to Saratoga Springs, where we could do it a whole podcast or a series on podcasts, series of podcasts on what happened there in politics over the last year or two. But <laughs> let's talk about the mayoral race. There was an upset of the incumbent. Tell us what happened. Yeah, John Safford, the Republican, uh, a businessman who has been a candidate before in the city unseated Ron Kim, who has only been in office for two years, not even two years yet, 
Kim was challenged not only by Safford, but against Chris Matheson, who's a former commissioner of public safety. And we will get to that office in just a moment. And Safford ran almost entirely on the idea of returning civility to City Hall. And this comes after what has definitely been a tumultuous two years of tantrums, feuds uh, based on policies such as the response to Black Lives Matter activists who have uh, disrupted a, a handful of city council meetings, as well as just personal disputes. Ron Kim and the incumbent public safety commissioner, James Montagnino, came into office two years ago as best friends and will be leaving office um, more like Cain and Abel, although in the story of Cain and Abel, um, only one of them ends up dead. And in this sense, politically, they have managed to pull each other down. Now, we can, we can go into all of the reasons why, but I think it's fair to say that in Kim's case, what hurt him the worst was the sense that he had lost control at times of the um, good order at these public meetings that had been um, disrupted by the activists. He basically adjourned two of those meetings and said, we'll do this later. This is not getting us anywhere. Um, and also Kim had a, a nasty temper tantrum last spring. Uh, suffice to say, he thought that um, Montagnino's department and the police did not respond appropriately to what he saw as trolls threat uh, or alleged threat to his family and um, freaked out on Montagnino's deputy and then was, you know, was compelled to apologize for it pretty much immediately. In Montagnino's case, it was kind of the flip side that he was viewed by many, especially progressives within the Democratic establishment, as having um, reacted and responded too truculently to the protests uh, by these activists and um, having his own sort of personal beefs with people that had gotten personal. And in the, the last days of the general election, uh, the city's Democratic Party power structure fully pulled its support from Montagnino after he put out a mailer last week that um, included a picture of Kristen Dart, who was the progressive candidate who was one of the two running against Montagnino, and Lexis Figueroa, who is um, the head of the city's Black Lives Matter movement. That mailer, which, by the way, I will note parenthetically, uses two Times Union photos that we did not give our approval to Mr. Montagnino to use because we do not allow or license the use of our photos um, for political purposes, that mailer was criticized by some as being racist. Uh, so that brings us, uh, that's a great segue to the race for public safety commissioner, uh, which needless to say, Montanino did not win. So tell us about that race. Yes, Jess, thank you for reeling me in. Yes, the winner in that race is Tim Cole, who is a, a retired FBI agent who is a registered Democrat, but was running on the Republican line. And he won almost uh, 50% of the vote, a um, little bit more than 49%. In a three-way race, you're going to walk away with it. Uh, Kristen Dart was well behind him, 
like 20 percentage points behind him. And uh, the aforementioned Mr. Montagnino finished an ignominious third. No shortage of drama there, that's for sure. Uh, And if you want to read more about that race in particular, uh, I really enjoyed Chris Churchill's take on it this week. He had lots to say about those two races in Saratoga Springs. All right, before we let you go, Casey, I want to touch on one more race. We are going to move down to the Hudson Valley now and talk about the results of the mayoral race in the city of Poughkeepsie. Tell us what happened there. Yeah, Poughkeepsie for the first time has elected its first black mayor, Yvonne Flowers, who is 57 years old, lifelong city resident. It was a long time coming, but she won handily with close to 70% of the, uh, of the total vote. Really pretty remarkable and a reminder that, you know, even in New York, there are still, there are still a lot of firsts, whether it's in Troy or Poughkeepsie. Indeed. And now to close this out, let's just say uh, that next year's Election Day, we're already starting to prepare for, I'm sure it's going to be a big one. Uh, what, do you, what are you thinking at this point? How early do we have to start preparing for that one in the newsroom? Well, our, our digital team is already preparing by basically doing a postmortem on what, what went right and what was perhaps challenging in the way we were inputting uh, results last night. I can tell you that uh, I, even though I have a terrible head cold, which you can probably hear, Jess. Um, no, you sound fine. Okay, good. Was hammering in results from Washington County and Columbia County last night. And I got to say, our system worked really well. It was a furious three hours, but it's always a lot of fun. That's fantastic. And I think that that's a great insight into how things work on election day or election night in a newsroom. It's, it's a very exciting time to be a journalist. All right, Casey, thank you so much. And we will check back in with you in the future. Thanks, Jess. For a full list of election results in the Capital Region and the Hudson Valley and more on other stories that we cover, visit timesunion.com or check us out on any of our social channels. All right, that's it for this week. I'm Jessica Marshall. The Eagle is a production of the Times Union. It's produced and edited by me with help from the Times Union digital team and the newsroom. Special thanks this week to Casey Seiler for contributing to this episode. 